This is Jesus talking to his disciples. They're sitting around a table. Many of us know uh, the, the story of the Last Supper. And this is kind of the Last Supper discourse. Jesus is getting together with his boys and he's saying, listen, this is, this is the end of it. But I have some things to teach you. Because, man, they were bummed out. Jesus was, was telling them. He's like, I'm going away. And they're like, oh, no, Jesus, we, we just want you to stay with us forever. And I think a lot of times we, we as believers, we would say, man, wouldn't it be awesome to live when Jesus lived, right? Wouldn't it be awesome to walk when Jesus walked and, and see all the things that he did? And we talk about that. And we're like, oh, man, it would be cool if I can go back. And, you know, we've all had that question. If you could go back at any time, we'd say, oh, man, I'd go and I'd walk with Jesus. And I think that would be awesome. But I believe that God has called you through the corridors of time to be born, to be effective right now in 2014. And he said, it's better that you're alive during 2014, that you're doing what you're doing better than it would have been if you were alive when Jesus was walking on the earth. I mean, no, he's still alive, but when he is walking on the earth, John chapter 14, Philip says, Lord, show us the father and we'll be satisfied. We know you're going away, Jesus, but if you just show us the father, we will be satisfied. And Jesus replied, I have, I not been with you all this time, Philip? And yet you still do not know who I am. Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the father and the father is in me? The words that I speak are not my own, but my father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the father and the father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. I tell you the truth. Here he gets into it right here. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done and even greater works because. Now, we love that scripture, right? Oh, greater works than Jesus, right? Come on, amen, yeah. Now, understand, if you study the Greek, greater doesn't mean more powerful. It means it means more in mass more in numbers so the, the the word when it says more isn't like we'll be more powerful than jesus it means that there'll be more not more quality but more quantity are you with me so jesus says this he says greater works will you do you're going to do more than i did because there's more of you are you with me so he said it's good that i go to the father because i am going to the father you can ask me for anything in my name and i will do it so that the son may bring glory to the father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate. The Greek word there is paraclete. That means one who comes alongside to comfort, to represent you. It's a court term. We'll talk about that later on in the series. Who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. See, this morning I can get up and I can lead you in truth this morning, but it's the Holy Spirit that really reveals truth to you. I can come and I can give you a bunch of information, but only the Holy Spirit can bring the revelation. So only the Holy Spirit can make the word of God come alive. Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life, right? And so Jesus is bringing spirit through his word. It's not just words. It's when we talk about the reality of Jesus. So we're not talking about words on a page. We're talking about living, active, functioning word of God in your life. Revelation. 
who leads you into all truth. The world cannot receive him. Isn't it interesting how so many times we have expectations for people that don't have the spirit of God? Well, they should be more holy, right? We don't use that term. Well, they're just bad people. Of course they're bad, just like you were bad before you had the Holy Spirit, right? We have standards for people that it's not possible for them to have standards. We impose on the wicked the, the, the expectations of the righteous. But righteous isn't something you do. It's who you are. Right? All right. So the world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him. But you know him. But you know him. You know him because he's been in me when we've been hanging out. All this stuff that you've seen, Jesus is talking. You know him. Because he lives with you now and later will be in you. So this is what we're talking about. So who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? I'm so glad you asked. First of all, he is God. The Holy Spirit is God. Are you with me? The Holy Spirit is God. So whenever we come into a service or we come into Christianity and we're like, oh, I don't want any of that Holy Ghost stuff. We're saying we don't want God. Right? I uh, just want to kind of cap it off. You just want to hinder the unhinderable, right? The untamable. You want to tame it. So he is God. Did you know that the Holy Spirit wasn't just something that happened whenever we open up our New Testament, the book of Acts, and we start seeing it? The, the, the Holy Spirit has always been. He's always been God. Just like Jesus has always been God, the Holy Spirit has always been functioning. In fact, Genesis chapter 1, and I'm giving you guys a little bit of theology today, a little bit of doctrine. Are you okay with that? You need this. So it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. And the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the water. So in creation, the father was speaking and the Holy Spirit was working. See how God works is through the Holy Spirit. So when God was creating the earth, the Holy Spirit came hovering over the waters. He was there in creation. We talk a lot about the Father. We talk about a lot about God the Father, right? Most of the time when we say God, we're, re we're referring to the Father, right? And then we talk a lot about Jesus. In fact, the Holy Spirit, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will testify of me. Come on. And so we talk a lot about Jesus. We talk about a lot about the Father. But many times we ignore the Holy Spirit. So we decided to devote, you know, four to six weeks on a series and, and talk about this. Now, listen, let's talk a little bit about, about what we believe. We have a graphic. Now, there's been a lot of illustrations that people have about uh, the Holy Spirit and the Trinity and things like that. Now, we are, we are not a oneness people. We, we, we are Trinitarian people. We believe in one God with three distinct persons. Are you with me? And so this graphic uh, illustrates this pretty good. And so, listen, G, the Son is not the Father. They are in each other, but they are not. Right? Are you with me? The, the Father is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Father. The Holy Spirit is not Jesus. They're different persons, but together they make God. Are you guys with me? It's really not that difficult. So people say, well, it's kind of like uh, water, right? You boil water and it becomes vapor. Spirit. Right? You freeze water, it becomes ice. Actually, that's not really, that's really a bad example. So we have all these bad examples, and what they do is they kind of mess up our theology because 
they're flawed because they're human. And so what we call this when people say, well, Jesus is the father, right? You guys have heard that. When we say that, that's, that's actually a heresy called modalism, which means that God changes. There's just one God and he changes mode. Now there is one God, but he has three persons. And so when Jesus was walking on the earth, that it was the father, uh, the father on the earth is Jesus. Now that's modalism and modalism means that God changes form to become the son. Well, that's weird because Jesus talked a lot to himself. If he, if, if they were the same person, are you with me? And Jesus talked about the Holy spirit, like he was somebody different. So, so get this in your grid that there are three parts of God, right? Um, if I went, and this is probably another terrible example, but if I went to a restaurant today and I ordered breakfast, and they brought me breakfast and it had pancakes and it had, uh, well, let's just say pancakes, pancakes, syrup, and butter. I like to think the Holy Ghost is like the syrup, it's, right? Right. Are you with me? So there's three parts, but it's all breakfast. Are you with me? Three distinct things making up the one. So the, so the Holy Spirit is God. Just as much as God the Father is God, just as much as Jesus is God, the Holy Spirit is God. Are you okay? This is classical Christianity. This isn't anything new. This is just basic stuff. But it's good for us. Secondly is the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. Right? Well, by that we're saying his name speaks of his nature. First of all, he is holy. Hagios. That is the Greek word. Hagios. The core meanings means he's different. That he is set apart other than. That's the word holy. Hagios. That means completely uncommon. Completely unknown. Set aside for a specific purpose. Are you with me? Holy. Completely uncommon. Not like another spirit. The Holy Spirit. Completely different. Uh, set apart. Sacred. Other than. It's completely different than anything else. That's when we, when we say, God, you are holy, what we are saying is you're completely different than anything I've ever known. You're completely set apart. God, that's why it's, it's bad when we say, well, like God is kind of like, well, that always fails because God isn't kind of like anything. God is just kind of like God. Everything else will fall short. And there's nothing wrong with you making those illustrations, but they always fall short because he's eternal and he is holy and there's nothing like him. So when we're in worship and we get lost and you're getting hammered, you're like, I've sung this song a thousand times, but it's to Jesus that you are singing and he reveals himself and you're like, whoa, that's why you look in the book of revelation and uh, you, we see that it says the angels that are all camped around and all the creatures that have been there for, for, for centuries and millennials. And they've been there and they've been singing, holy, 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 what is happening? They are every moment. They're completely getting blown away. You're all, whoa, wow. And so we come to worship and we're like, oh, I've sung this song. Oh, I'm so sick of this song. It's because you're focusing on the song and not on the one we are worshiping. You got to understand that he's holy. And if you just look at him, you're going to get hammered. It's just the way it works. So he is the Holy Spirit. He's uncommon, uncommon in purity, uncommon in beauty, uncommon in power. He's completely different. It's like an explosion. No, kind of a little bit, right? Yes. No. Right. Cause the moment you, you're like, you get it. You're like, yeah, like an explosion. Wait, 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 
That's just too limited. Lord, give us language. This is why we write new songs, right? Because we're getting new revelation. And by the way, something becomes old after the first time. So it's always new. I shall sing some of those old songs. Well, maybe we should, but we should also sing some new ones. All right. Uncommon in power. The Hebrew word for spirit is ruach. You like that? Good job. Ruach. That is a wind, a breath, a violent exaltation. So it's a wind that is blowing violently. It's not like some little, oh, felt the peace. No, it's a violent, we're misconceived in what peace is. It's a violent, peace is things being made right. So when the violence of God comes in, it throws off everything that's wrong. And then we're good. We're like, wow, I'm right. The Greek word is pneuma, and that's the current of air, a blast of breath, and a strong breeze. In, in, in Spanish, it's espiritu santos, right? Y'all didn't know I'm quadlingual. Quadrilingual. You didn't know I could speak four languages, did you? You're like, I didn't even know you spoke English very well. I'm still working on that one. But I can say espiritu santo. There used to be this song that these people did this, like, flag dance to. Espiritu Santo. And I was like, yeah, whatever that means. But he is the Holy Spirit. He's completely uncommon, but he's he's a, a wind, a blowing wind. He's coming through and he's blowing and he's doing and he's active and it's always there. You don't always see it, but it has a tangibleness to it. It has an, an expression to him. Number three. The Holy Spirit is a person, not an it. So when you speak of the Holy Spirit, you don't go, well, it was leading me. I've heard people say this. I was walking down the street and I felt it leading me. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a him. Jesus says that. is a him. He is someone who that you can have relationship with. It's not some unseen force of nature that it's not this one with everything. No, 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 no. He's a person. He's not a human. You're the human, right? He is the person dwelling inside of you. You have your spirit. God has his. Um, the Holy Spirit is sometimes, again, these examples are always bad, but I have this uncle, and, uh, you know, he's that uncle, you know, the, the one that you tell stories about to people, and you think, oh, you think your uncle's weird? Right. And uh, you guys know what I'm talking about. Right. And so you're like at the dinner table. Remember, uncle? Yeah, he's kind of. Well, some, you know, I have this uncle and he's like, you know, he don't play tax, pay taxes. You're right, you don't have a job because he don't want to pay taxes. Like he, he's, you know, been wearing like the same clothes for like 40 years, driving the same truck. You know what I'm saying? He's like carries around like a briefcase with like documents of the Declaration of Independence. I mean, he's that uncle. Right. And so, you know, conspiracy theories, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's just all the time. You know, so, and so it's like sometimes you just kind of like, you know, he's there, but you just kind of, and I feel like the Holy Spirit, we kind of look at him like that. That it's kind of like that relative that because he freaked someone out one time, we don't want to really talk about him. And so rather than digging after the real revelation or who he really is, we settle for a misconception. 
So stop settling for the misconception. Invite the Holy Spirit to do whatever he wants to do in your life. He's not a person. He's a, now listen, the Holy Spirit is sometimes a little freaky. Right? It's sometimes a little spooky. Why? Because it's totally uncommon. Listen, God isn't trying to fit into the box of your understanding. He is not interested in you just, oh, I, I totally understand God. Well, then, if, if you totally understand God, then, then you need to press into worshiping it blasted. You need to read the word. And then you're going to be going, what? I don't get it. Now, he's revealing things to you. Come on. But we always know in part. We always know in part. So don't, the moment you think you got, got God figured out, you can just forget it. Number four. And listen, the whole reason that like, it seems a little weird sometimes is because it's completely uncommon, right? Now, the problem is that sometimes people are pursuing the weird. We, per- we, we pursue sometimes the manifestation, right? It's like we've been in services before. We've had, you know, uh, worship services before that God just shows up. And, like, I remember one night we were playing and, like, like God just came. The Holy Spirit was just moving and we were, like, playing. And I was sitting on the floor and, like, all these weird things are happening. And I remember that night when we were done, I was packing away my guitar. And I had, like, all this, like, gold dust all over my car- guitar. And it was just, it was crazy. I was like, well, that's kind of weird. Maybe God was just, like, doing something. And But I didn't, like, go, oh, look at the gold. Lord, would you send the gold dust, right? Are you with me? So what happens is many times when the Holy Spirit wants to do something, if, if it was the Lord, which I believe it was, then that's great. And that's cool. God liked it. But that doesn't mean that we're going, oh, man, we had gold. Guess what we had? Gold dust. Right? And so we pursue the manifestation versus the person. Oh, it felt like this. So, Lord, would you make me feel like that again? Right? So we don't pursue the manifestation. It gets a little trippy sometimes. He does because he's completely uncommon, completely otherworldly. He's from another world. Right? So don't try to, he's just like a person. That's the bad thing about when we say, uh, when we use the word person sometimes, I know for me, I think human. Now Jesus is human, still human, human glorified body, but, but, but many times when we say person, we equate that with humanity, right? He is a person in the sense that he has a personality, right? Are you with me? He communicates. So number four, he resides in those who are his. He's the indwelling. He lives Inside those that are his, you know, in the Old Testament, we would see uh, people, people of God. And they would serve God and the, and the scripture would say it this way. So the spirit of God came upon them. We see this uh, with Joshua. The spirit of God came upon Joshua and he overtook cities. We see it in, in Samson, right? The spirit of God came upon him and he tore a line to get apart with his bare hands. The spirit of God came upon David and he wrote songs or he danced. The spirit of God came upon the prophets and they spoke or they sang songs. We see this all throughout the, 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 the Old Testament. This is the Holy Spirit would come upon. But Jesus said this in John chapter 14. It says, you know him because he lives with you now. He's been coming upon but he says this, he says, but later, 
What is he talking about? When I go to the Father, he's not going to come on you. He's going to get up in you. He's going to be in you. So it's not this like God that we know that we're kind of like, hey, Holy Spirit, how are you doing? No, no, no. He dwells. He lives inside of you. So what does that mean? Number one, it means exactly that. It means that you are God's dwelling. You are God's dwelling on the earth. God doesn't live in, in temples built by humans. Oh, let's build this big cathedral because God will come and dwell. Right? Nothing wrong with big cathedrals. And I think that there's one thing that we can invest in. It'd be a church building. That's a great thing to invest in. There's nothing wrong with that. But check this out. First Corinthians 619. Do you not realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It makes me think of, of, of David in 2 Samuel chapter 7. You know, King David comes to town and he builds his palace, right? They had the palace built and he's getting it renovated and all this kind of stuff. And David is chilling in his palace on his throne with his kingdom before him. And he says, you know what, guys? You can read about this 2 Samuel chapter 7. It says that he was sitting there and he said, you know what? Here I am sitting here in this beautiful palace and this and God lives in a tent outside. And at that moment is when David got the download from heaven to build the tabernacle of David. It, it would be a part, not a not a temporary place that moved around that God could dwell, but a permanent place. So when Jesus came, because David was a picture of Jesus. Jesus had a download from heaven to build a temple. We talked about this last week. He says that you are spiritual houses. What is he saying? He's saying you are now the dwelling place. God doesn't live. When Jesus died, the veil was torn. The temple system was done away with. Why? Because Jesus said, I came to purify you and clean you so you would be a worthy place to house me. To house the spirit that has been living in me. I'm going to go to the Father and I'm going to send it and it's going to get in you. All of you. So you're going to do greater things because you will house the presence of God. Listen, you are not just God's possession, but you are possessed by God. Right? We see those creepy movies. I like the word possession, but I feel like it's been like, so we, we talk about, man, we belong to God. Yeah, we belong to you. We belong to you. We're God's possession. But listen, we are also possessed by God, that God is living in us and through us, functioning. Right, we see all these creepy movies, right? The demon, they're demon possessed. Well, God wants to possess you with the holy, not the freaky, not the scary. But you're possessed by God. It's not this, you know, we teach our, our children, and I don't think this is a bad, necessarily a bad idea, but we teach our children, we learn in church, we just, just little Jesus lives in my heart, right? Oh, just ask Jesus into your heart, right? It's good, I guess, but it totally fails. Just ask little pocket Jesus right in your, well, oh, I got a little Jesus in my heart. Listen, no, 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 no. You are a house for the Holy Spirit of God. You are, you are like Jesus in that sense. Is that Jesus walked the earth and everything that he did was f because he was filled with the presence of the glory of heaven, the glory of God, the Holy Spirit. Not just a little Jesus in here. I mean, this is like an untamed, reckless person inside of you. 
Not just little. Little pocket Jesus remind me when I do something wrong. I'm driving too fast. Let me tap you on the shoulder, little pocket Jesus. Listen, we house the eternal, unending, unshakable power. I said the eternal, unending, unshakable power. We house that. We're possessed by that. It rules our life. Oh, I'm not experiencing that. Me neither. I'm getting there. So Jesus established a new temple. Check it out. Romans 8. I know it's hot in here. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Okay, I remember when I was 18 years old and I read this for the first time. I was laying on my bed. And I was like, what? Dead Jesus. Dead. Not sleeping, not resting. Dead. It says that the Spirit of God, when God rose him from the dead, how? Through the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit goes and invades this dead body, dead body, and raises him from the dead. Boom! Jesus comes out, everybody's freaking out. He's got his glorified body. Look at his like glowing and disappearing, but he's still eating. It's trippy. Right? So that same Spirit that went into Jesus, listen, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus was dead, a spirit went into him. That same spirit that went into Jesus went into you. When you asked Jesus to come into your life, when you asked little Jesus to come into your life, you, at that moment, were possessed by that same spirit that resurrected a dead king. And just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies. You're discouraged. You're sick. Holy Spirit. You don't get it. You are God's dwelling. Number two, what else does it mean? It means total victory. I didn't say little victory. We love little victories. We celebrate little victories, right? Come on, are you with me? We celebrate. We, we gotta, you got to develop in your life an atmosphere to celebrate. You celebrate everything. You celebrate little victories. You celebrate big victories. I'm, I'm convinced if we don't learn to celebrate the little victories, we won't be celebrating the big victories. Come on, are you with me? But you celebrate everything in your life that comes to pass. You're posting that on Facebook. Come on, are you with me? Oh, you will not believe what God did. I had a headache and I prayed and I left. Right? People, people think like you got cured of cancer or something, right? Right? I mean, your, your boast is that big about the little things. But you have total victory. You don't have just little victory. Little victories are great, but little victories are just part of the big victory. Are you with me? Listen, you have access to you at all times, unlimited resources in you. Not away from you. Not after you fast for 40 days. No, you right now, currently sitting in this room, have unlimited resources inside of you. Unlimited resources for encouragement, for joy, for healing, for transformation. You have eternal power to overcome, to triumph over sin, depression, discouragement, fear. It's already in you. It's already in you. Oh, why are you yelling? Because I have total victory. And I'm not experiencing all of that total victory yet. But I'm experiencing more than I was yesterday. 
First John four four says the spirit that lives in you is greater than the spirit in the world. Man, I'm just so discouraged. The world's just falling apart in our political system, and I don't know what I'm gonna do. How am I ever gonna retire? What they're gonna do with the Social Security? And I don't know my health care. And I don't know the spirit that is in you is greater than the spirit that is in the world. We do not have to be subject to the conditions of our planet, of our world, but we are subject to the conditions of a greater world. This is our reality. But until we start walking it, until we start believing it, we will never see it. But we've got to believe that when Jesus said it's finished, he meant it. He wasn't playing around. He wasn't like, well, it's finished. But No, he wasn't there with no buts attached to it. He's like, this is the way it is. Will you believe? This is the commandment I give to you. Believe in the one that God has sent. Will you just believe me? Inside of you, total victory. Number three, it means we function like Jesus. Listen, when you got the residue of heaven inside of you, you don't need a bracelet to remind you to act like Jesus. Nothing wrong with bracelets to help you. You need to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We, we kind of live from channel to channel with God, right? Kind of like, oh, let me tune in. Oh, so let me tune in real, real quick. When are we just going to, like, leave it on that station? You know what I mean? It's like that good radio. They don't ever go out. A signal, like, it's, it's constant, right? Okay. It means we function like Jesus. Listen, the disciples, we talked about that. They wanted Jesus to stick around. They're like, Lord, please don't go. But Jesus wanted them to experience the greater thing. He wanted to go to the Father and get the spirit that was inside of him, inside of them. And so he says, again, John 14, 12, I'll tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done and even greater works because I am going to the Father. Because I am going to the Father, I'm going to send the spirit. And you will function like I function. Listen, Jesus was the prototype. We're looking, we're just trying to be like Jesus. Yes, absolutely. But don't let that just become part of your vernacular. Don't let that just become a little Christian ease and you forget the meaning. To be like Jesus doesn't mean that you just don't drink too much. Yes. Are you with me? It doesn't mean that we just, well, doesn't mean you're going to, to be like Jesus means that you love people. To be like Jesus means that you drive out demons. (laughs) To be like Jesus means that you shake up religious systems. Right? Whoops. Jesus is the prototype for what Christianity is supposed to look like. Jesus showed what it was like to be in 100% obedience to the Father and function as one who is indwelled by the Holy Spirit. Before Jesus' ministry ever started, before he ever started his ministry, what happened? He was baptized by a man named John. When he is baptized by a man named John the Baptist, we see this in John chapter 132, he heard the voice of his father saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. What is it, What was he saying? He said, total obedience to the father. He's totally bringing pleasure to the father. The, the father was pleased in him. Before he ever did a miracle, 
Before he went to the cross, the Father was pleased. Did you know that this way God feels about you because of Jesus? That God is already pleased with you? That God already does love you? And there's nothing, nothing you can do to take his, his, his ravished heart away from you? He loves you like crazy. But it says this, I saw, John says, I saw the Holy Spirit descend like a dove. He didn't say it was a dove. We have the movie, the dove. No, he said like a dove. Again, it's just kind of like that, kind of like a dove. From heaven. I just Sometimes I hate that, that we have a dove for the symbol of the Holy Spirit. Like, he's not a dove, he's a person. Of course, if we put a human on there, that would still be jacked up. So, descending like a dove from heaven. And check this out. It says it remained on him. It wasn't the spirit that came and went as we saw in times past in the Old Testament. It wasn't something that came and left. On Jesus, it remained. The Holy Spirit remained upon him. May I submit that Jesus did not function on the earth as God. He was God, 100% God, 100% man. But when he performed miracles and spoke life, he did this as a man possessed by the spirit of God. He showed us what it is capable, what we are capable as human beings filled with the indwelling of the spirit. Jesus is the prototype. That's why it says Philippians chapter two, verse six, seven says, though he was God, he did not think equality with God as something to cling to or to grasp. Instead, he gave up his divine privilege. So Jesus gave up his divine privilege. One translation says he emptied himself and he took on a humble position as a slave and was born as a human being. So Jesus, God, yes. Man, yes. But everything he did, he functioned as a man with the unleashed spirit of God inside of his life. And let me say this today, and I'm, I'm finishing up. When we speak of the Holy Spirit, his limitation is this. Because we've talked about what he can do. Right? We talked about his power, his unrelenting, his, his unending, his, his uncommon power. We've talked about that. Listen, his only limitation is our yielding. His only limitation is our yielding. Two scriptures, 1 Thessalonians 5.19 5, says, Do not quench the Spirit of God. Do not quench the Spirit of God. In other words, it's a fire. Don't throw water on it. The other Ephesians 4.20, 4.30 says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. So the Holy Spirit is a power inside of us. The, the man, the Holy Spirit is a person inside of us that can be subject to our yielding. He's like, I'll do anything that you'll give yourself over for. But do not quench it. What does that mean? It's like if you have a water hose and you go and you quench it, right? You fold it in half. You guys know what I'm talking about? Kink it. Kink that hose. You're like, why is water coming out? Why is water coming out? This is what we need to do in our lives. Why, why am I seeing miracles? Why, why am I not seeing the Holy Spirit's working in life? Go check your line, baby. Go see if you got any kinks going on. Don't, 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 don't quench the Spirit. And then it says don't grieve the Spirit. How can we grieve the Holy Spirit? Can God be grieved? Absolutely. Can God experience pleasure and grieve at the same time? Yes, because he's not like you. You're kind of like him, but he's not like you. Let's get that straight. Right? Come on. That's when we get in trouble when we start saying God's like us. No, 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 no. You're like him. He's not like you. So do not grieve the Holy Spirit. So do not quench. Do not hinder. Yield. 
Open up the hose. Turn it on. You say, well, I'm not seeing it. Well, let's go check. Let's check the line. Let's make sure that you're, you're functioning. Make sure you don't have any kinks. You guys ever done that? You went out and you're like washing the, you're like, right? Hey, right? Just kind of pours out your little nozzle there and you go and you check the line and there it is. It's kinked up. Do not quench the spirit. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. One deals with our character, the grieving. The other deals with our power. How are we functioning? So what the Holy Spirit wants us to do is just yield. And not be a people that would be like, well, I don't, I don't want to give way to the Holy Spirit because I might do something weird. Good for you to do something weird and humble yourself. It's all about humbling ourselves and saying, God, it's not my will. What did Jesus say? It's not my will, but yours be done. Jesus functioned with a total yielded life to obedience to the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit. And he is the prototype. He is the model. He is the one that says, this is the way it needs to be done. So, Lord Jesus, we want to be like you.